What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. This is our seventh anniversary show. Yes, uh, seven years ago, not to the day, but uh, to the month. I started this sports card show podcast. Not exactly sure. Waxy, I know why I did start. I started the podcast originally. At the time, I uh, owned a card store and was working in, or not working. I mean, I was working at a card store. When you own something, you work a lot more than than probably if you just took a job with somebody else. But uh, so I owned a card store and and things were not going well. And if you flash back to 2008... uh, there was a lot of things going on. People's homes were crashing. The credit bubble was bursting. Lots of stuff. Unemployment was a lot higher than it is today. It's a lot harder to find a job. In fact, after um, I closed my store, I couldn't get a job. Couldn't find a job. It's very hard to find a job. Um, that kind of uh, like guided me into the kind of the stuff that I do today. So I'm actually kind of thankful I couldn't find a job. Because uh, I might be, I might have to be working right now. Um, instead, I am uh, recording a podcast uh, for you all. So, very uh, excited to be here. Um, like I said, I started this podcast seven years ago with the hopes to. It was kind of a, I would call it kind of a last ditch effort to drive traffic. I think even if you listen to the very first uh, podcast, I, I mentioned a site. I don't even own the site anymore. That shows you how. Uh, hard. I couldn't even afford to renew the domain. Uh, I got so broke. But um, so I, I think I started the podcast kind of a last ditch effort to kind of connect with people. I wanted to first connect with people, you know, uh, through the podcast and then eventually maybe uh, turn you on to my website and maybe sell some things to you. But um, ultimately, that uh, did not materialize. And in fact, I probably made a lot more money uh, by that not materializing. I ended up um, starting sportscardradio.com shortly after I started the podcast and um, worked on that site for many, many years along with my brother and um, did really, really well. Uh, for a while there, um, the eBay affiliate program was paying a very generous, definitely a far too generous uh, commission to people that promoted eBay. And uh, since then, they've changed it within the last year or two years. They've uh, changed it. And I think it's for the I think it's for the better of eBay and, and for the betterment of eBay shareholders. So ultimately, I don't really my brother my brother and I don't really work on um, sportscardradio.com actively any longer within the last, you know, 6 months to a year we've decided to not put a whole lot of effort into it. Um the site will obviously remain up and won't go anywhere. Um but um it's just I have far too many other projects and far too, and maybe I'll discuss some of them on today's show um, because one of the topics we're going to be talking about is it's kind of dead. Honestly, I have like, I wish our seventh anniversary could be a hell of a lot more entertaining, but uh, right now there's not a whole lot going on. You got summer league basketball going on, which I've been watching. You got, I mean, I didn't even watch the home run derby. I'm not really, you know, my team wins world series. So I don't need to watch foo-foo games and uh, game meaningless baseball. 
like the almost the rest of everybody else in the league. If you're not like a Cardinals fan or a Giants fan, your team hasn't won jack in the last five, six years. So for me, uh, I wait until the real games start being played um, to really care about foo-foo baseball. So, you know, there's there's not a whole lot going on in football cards right now. Not a whole lot going on with basketball cards. Everybody's waiting for these rookies, and I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll, I'll talk about the, a little bit about the NBA draft, but also about the summer league. I've identified maybe two or three players that I really like. Um, and so we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about it's the off season, And I've gone through, um, you know, the ups and downs of owning a card store and having success. I mean, my first year, first two years in business did, I think, over $100,000 in sales, which is not that bad for a thousand, you know, less than thousand, I think 900 square foot store in a, in a pretty small town. I had really, really good sales. And that doesn't include my online. I was doing maybe three or four thousand dollars a month in online as well so um but then it went down to zero you know literally zero basically in a whole month i would sell almost nothing so um you know you have to learn to adapt and learn to um you know in this seasonal business i know a lot of people want to make um you know maybe buying and selling baseball cards or make being an entrepreneur, being an e-commerce uh, retailer or something like that, make that kind of your main job or like a group breaker or something like that, your main job. But hey, it's kind of tough when all we got going right now is baseball. And um, I know almost every team in baseball is is within striking distance of making the playoffs. So that's good for uh, the fan bases out there. But um, baseball cards don't always uh, are, are, not, are not always the hottest, not always the hottest selling. Oftentimes football rookies and basketball rookies are kind of driving uh, those two products. So you kind of need some uh, things to tide you over, maybe some side income or some alternate income. So I'm my touch on uh, some of that um moving on i guess i'll i'll move on i'll go to start with the nba draft so i think um it was an entertaining nba draft i think there's a lot of uh very good players i think there's a lot of good second and third year players that should emerge i think we, you know most of us saw steph curry uh, most of us knew of him, probably uh, were introduced to him when he was at Davidson when they made some NCAA finals. Um, I don't think they got all the way to the finals or maybe not even to the final four, but he was very uh, well known uh, in college. And it took him, I mean, he was a really good player. He had some injuries, ankle injuries and stuff. Uh, the Warriors weren't very good. They missed the playoffs a lot. Um, but obviously emerged to be one of the best, I mean, MVP of the league this last season. So, you know, in the NBA, you got to, I know the guys get drafted number one, number two, or in the lottery or whatnot, and they, they often start or a starter very early, unlike baseball where you get buried in the minors, or even football where you sit behind a starting QB or starting running back for a while. Um, in basketball, you're you're on the team, you're in the mix. So some people might have thought, oh, Curry's going to be, you know, a good NBA player, but not a great NBA player. We saw the leap you can make and just, I think he's in his fifth or sixth year in the NBA. So you can see the, the trajectory if you work on your game. And that's really the key. 
and I'll talk about a player that was drafted number two that's going to have to work on his game uh, to really meet the expectations. So, um, you know, I wouldn't expect a whole lot. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns looks like a really good good player and Okafor looks like a good player. And I'll talk about a couple other guys that were drafted a little bit later that I think could make a really big impact year one. But I temper your excitement. I don't think you need to run out and buy these guys. Um, I think Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, year two, I really like him. Another guy actually bought one of his autograph cards um, like two or three days ago, Rudy Gobert of Utah. If you look at his, I know they traded away Cantor kind of mid-season. Um, and he got a little bit more playing time, but his minutes weren't crazy huge he's a little inconsistent last year um but he could definitely be a hassan Whiteside type player where he's blocking shots making an impact on defense but he can also score he can you know get tip backs and and he's effective around the rim he's a player that i think could get a little bit more minutes i think utah has a lot of talented players um, so it's not maybe the the most ideal situation for him to really dominate but um I like his situation, and I think he he's a, a lower-priced guy right now that you could maybe take a shot at that could get some uh, – because I think Utah could be kind of an up-and-coming team next year. I think they could push for a playoff spot. I don't think they're going to win the NBA Finals or anything like that, but if their players develop a little bit, they could certainly do that. Um, so I would be looking in the NBA at second, third, even fourth year players that people have kind of forgotten about a little bit and could make that push into being in a very effective player. Um, in terms of the rookies, again, Anthony Towns looks like a really good player. Okafor, I think, is going to be a very solid uh, player. Obviously, we heard Embiid is going to miss another. I don't think he's ever going to play or he's going to be like, uh, Greg Oden or something he might have a couple games or you know half a season where he ends up playing but I think his career is likely uh, headed downwards um, so Okafor should get plenty of time and I think he's a very effective player I, I wish the Lakers would have picked him number two I think at the time they thought they were going to get Aldridge and some other players um, but I mean, they, the Lakers did end up getting Hippard and Brandon Bass. And, and so they have some solid Lakers have a much more solid team than they did last year. Last year, they were running out, uh, literally kind of a D D league type squad. But, um, so I kind of wish they had picked Okafor. I think he would have been a solid player. Um, would have been nice right beside, uh, Julius Randle, who I've had a chance to see. Obviously, most of us didn't get a chance to see Randle last year, Julius Randle for the Lakers. He got picked, I think, four, fifth, I think, last year and got hurt on the very first game. I think he only played 14 or 15 minutes in the first game and then got hurt. He has a nice game. He has kind of like a barrel to the basket kind of game where he gets it at the elbow or gets it at the wing and then you know makes a jab step and then and then charges to the hoop so if he can get foul calls and finish around the hoop I think he'd be an effective player I don't think he's gonna average you know 12 14 15 points with Hibbert and uh, I think Lou Williams is there and Bass is there I think those players are more effective and will get more playing time but Randall could develop into a nice player if he stays healthy I think he could develop into a very nice player um, he needs to develop a jump shot I think uh, teams will sag off him until he develops a shot but he definitely has a nice first step and kind of a spin move to the basket so I like his game um, sticking with the Lakers 
since that's my favorite team and that's who I've been watching in the summer league, um, I will get on to some other teams here in a minute. Uh, they picked D'Angelo Russell with the very first, with the second selection in the draft. And honestly, watching him, he's a sell. I think if you pull his, if you're lucky enough to pull his rookie cards uh, in the very first year, I think they're going to be very expensive and very sought after. I think he's a sell just based on what I'm seeing right now. Now, I'm not saying he it's a sell and he's going to be garbage and he's not going to be, be become a very good player. I think he's a sell right now. And then if you see that he's what I worry about him and a lot of players going to L.A. is they live the L.A. life. And they don't work on their game and they don't uh, develop as a player. You know, maybe he hangs out with Swaggy P more than he hangs out with Kobe. So I worry about that a little bit with Russell because he needs a lot of work. He's not polished. He turns the ball over a lot. His his shot is not locked down by any means. I mean, he can make a jumper. He can make a three, but not at a very high percentage. So I think he's actually a sell um, now. And then I think if you see, you know, year two, year three, Russell is actually developing into a solid player. I think then you could rebuy his cards. And I think they'll be much cheaper. I think it's the same thing with Randall. I think, you you know, obviously he was hurt year one, but his cards, while still elevated, um, were a little bit more hyped right right before he got hurt. I think people were very excited about his game. Um so I think you can wait on Russell. I certainly wouldn't play Andrew Wiggins. price If his prices are, are the same as like a Wiggins rookie, God, I'd much rather have uh, an Andrew Wiggins autograph card over a Russell autograph card at the moment. Um, so I would probably sell on Russell, or I certainly wouldn't be out there actively buying his cards. The two players that really caught my eye, and other people obviously in the summer league, the rookies at least, um, Emmanuel Moutier got picked somewhere in the top, I think, seven picks, and he went to the Denver Nuggets. He looks he looks like ru- what I was hoping Russell would look like. He has command over the game. He has command over the uh, ball game. He has a, a jumper. He has he's a good player. His cards are I don't think going to be very inexpensive, but he's a type of player that could make a very uh, big impact, especially on Denver, which doesn't have. I saw that Ty Lawson got picked up for another DUI. So he obviously, and he missed a game last year. Like they came back from the uh, all-star break and Ty Lawson like showed up late or didn't show up or something and and got benched. I think I would bet Ty Lawson probably, and this is not a joking matter. I'm not saying this um, to really criticize him, but I think Ty Lawson probably has a drinking problem. If you get two DUIs, and you're not showing up on time and doing stuff like that. My guess is you have uh, some kind of substance problem. And so Ty Lawson, although a very great player when he's likely sober and on the court, um, I think he has an issue. And so I think there's also been trade rumors and, and stuff like that around him. So he's likely facing some kind of, my guess is some kind of suspension. I think you should get suspended uh, for, you know, one DUI. I don't know if you do in the NBA or not or any of the leagues, but I think you should be suspended for a DUI and certainly a second one. 
So, um, Moody A, I like his game. He looked good. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a 20-point guy, but um, looked good. The other guy, much lesser known, I think picked on the edge of the lottery or just outside the lottery, is Miles Turner for the Indiana Pacers. If you want to go look at his summer league highlights, I like his game. He has a very, it looked like some athleticism. He's really tall. He can knock down a three. He can tip dunk and, and, and defend around the rim. I liked his energy. I liked his game. Again, this is against a lot of subpar talent, you know, um, but there are certainly starters playing in the D League. Also, the thing about the D League is, uh, the the quality of basketball is a little sloppy. There's turnovers and stuff like that, just just because a lot of the players haven't played with each other, and obviously it's lesser lesser talent out there. But um, the defense is pretty tight in the summer league because you have guys trying to make the team. You have guys trying to make a D league squad or get scouted over to Europe. There's guys really playing hard in the D much harder than, uh, you know, a Tuesday night game in the NBA with guys that have guaranteed contracts and probably have women in the hotel room and have millions of dollars in the bank. So the D league is some, or excuse me, the summer league is sometimes a fairly good judge of talent. And I think miles Turner is probably just really, really early on. Obviously we're months away from the NBA season starting, but uh, miles Turner is a guy that I would target, especially if fans are kind of ignoring him and not, you know, kind of throwing away his autograph rookie cards for, you know, five, six, seven bucks. I actually think, um, I would target him, um, slightly. You know, we'll see. The Pacers um, do have some opportunities uh, in in the starting lineup. And, you know, they got rid of Hibbert, who tended to draw some attention in the paint. So it might be not as good for him or and for Paul George. But um, certainly with Paul George and other players that they have there, I think Miles Turner could be an effective player year one. We'll see. Moving Right along, let's talk briefly about Panini. A couple news bits about them. They announced their VIP party, which I have always affectionately referred to as the RIP party, because most of the people that are foolish enough to spend $10,000, yes, you have to spend $10,000 to go to this party. I put party, if this was a video podcast, you'd see the air quotes. Because I don't know about you, but it'd have to be a hell of a party for me to spend $10,000. Literally, like, I mean, maybe it feels like the Victoria's Secret model VIP party. Probably pay ten grand for that. If it was the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model party probably paid ten thousand dollars for that if it was the johnny manzel post game blast off you know before he went to rehab before he cleaned up his life i would definitely pay ten thousand dollars for that if it was the cristiano ronaldo party in las vegas probably you know, although most of the women will be after him, you know, at the end of the night, he, he, you know, he can only have a dozen or so. There, there has to be some leftover. So I'll, I would spend 10000 on that. I have been to Vegas 
in the last since I've started this podcast, I've been I don't know countless times. Sometimes I go twice in a year if there's two conferences or whatever. I don't think I've spent, and I have, I have, I've had three hundred dollar steak dinners at the nicest steakhouse in Vegas. I've stayed in top uh, suites at the Aria and at the MGM properties. I don't know if I've spent ten thousand dollars my whole time. I've had a hell of a. I've, one day I spent, one time I spent eleven consecutive days in Las Vegas. There was back to back conferences, and I spent eleven days in a row in Vegas. I don't think I spent ten thousand. I know I didn't spend ten thousand dollars during those eleven days. So, in other words, I don't think, and I know this ten thousand dollar party obviously isn't worth it. Obviously, you get something for you ten thousand dollars, but you're only allowed to select from a small list of products which didn't sell. It's not like the, you know, national tre- I mean last year I think they had national treasures but it was full retail value and they charge you pretty much full retail price for a lot of the stuff. I see Panini Prestige Basketball from last year $130 a box. I see Panini Clear Vision Football, whatever that is, $50 a box. Contenders Draft Football, $108 a box. That sounds like full price. Panini Prestige Football, $72 a box. So you have to buy $10,000 of this. And the problem is a lot of these group breakers get um, kind of finagled into buying these. And yeah, you get these like silver packs and gold packs that have a bunch of player-worn crap in it and not a lot of, lot of value there. Um, the problem is a lot of group breakers and stuff and, and retailers get finagled into buying this stuff. And then they're all trying to unload it at the same time. And nobody's been buying. Obviously these products are sitting in Panini's little warehouse or they got returned by the distributor. And this is really kind of a butt slap for distributors. It's like, Hey, we got all this product sitting in our shelves. This is how Panini helps them unload it for full price. So you all get suckered into buying this stuff, which would just continue to depreciate and go down in price. If none of you spent 10000 to buy this stuff, you'd be able to buy it all for even cheaper a few weeks later. Because all this new stuff, like I said, it's the dead season in basketball, in basketball and football cards. Well, that's going to change. And all these distributors, they're not rolling in cash and rolling in a bunch of square feet. They need to unload some of this stuff. So they'd put it on deals or give you some kind of incentive. Well, instead, oh, you got to buy $10,000 and the incentive is to go to this party and bust some silver packs. And there'll be like two models there. I mean, if there was like 50 guys there and there was like 100 women or 70 women or even 50 one-to-one ratio women to men, maybe the 10 Gs would go, would be fine. You, you know, you get a little product, you hope to lose a little bit of money on the product. But hey, at the end of the night, you got a shot. But, you know, the videos and the reports I've seen, there's, it's, a, it's a, a sausage fest to keep it uh, politically correct in our seventh year here. So, RIP party, still going to be the RIP party. If you're fool, foolish enough to buy, maybe, I mean, maybe if you're buying this stuff and you have a way to unload it, I mean, I guess go ahead. Uh, you know, ten thousand be able to move ten thousand dollars worth of product is not a big deal for you. Ah, eh, maybe go ahead and do it, but uh, I don't consider it very. Um, you know, if you're on the fringe, 
if you're if you're just starting out in group raking or you know you're not a big seller, ten thousand dollars is a lot of money for you. Just avoid this altogether. Don't feel pressure. Don't feel like you're you're not cool if you're not there. That's totally not true. So I'd avoid it. And if you're a fan, I think last year you had to spend like twelve five or fifteen thousand. Uh, I know some guys that did it and they got nothing. Um, don't do it. I've seen guys that bought into this party last year and then they're selling their collection on on eBay and on Twitter because they're broke. So don't 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 be fooled to go into it. Just laugh at everybody that ends up going. Continuing on with Panini. Panini has is going to come out with a digital card product fairly soon. They've partnered. If you go to Panini's corporate website, they've partnered with a company called Vert Trade, which has I think about a twenty million. I think it's about a twenty. Somebody invested money at a twenty million dollar valuation, twenty five million dollar valuation. So somebody sees something there. And this company Vert Trade is basically basically makes fun of sports cards uh, and the sports card industry kind of in their video saying, you know, it's stuck in the past. It hasn't gone digital, uh, really. I mean, Topps has several, I don't know if I'd call them successful digital projects, but they've invested a lot of money in digital cards and they certainly have gotten a little bit of traction there. So I wouldn't say that cards hasn't gone digital, but this company Vert Trade is basically partnered with Panini and they're going to use basically release a version of their product using Panini's licenses because I mean it's a perfect marriage you know vert trade doesn't want to go and get license from the MLB and through the MLBPA instead they license the technology to Panini and develop the technology for Panini and collect a royalty from Panini it's actually a better business model than what Panini is doing if it's successful could blow up and you know they could ultimately not make any money or lose a bunch of money investors lose a bunch of money but uh, that happens in the technology world so basically, they're, they're, it's going to be – their product is likely going to be, um, you know, I wouldn't say similar to the TOPS offering, but um, the capabilities of this Vertrade software allow for updates and uh, real-time – as stuff happens in real-time, like goals or like home runs and stuff like that, and highlights that to be incorporated into the digital product, similar to the way Tops does it with its kind of like a fantasy aspect. So uh, word is from a source that I have is this product will be out soon. And that's in air quotes because soon could be anything, could be within the next uh, four weeks. It also could be in the next four months. But in the technology world and with products that haven't really been tested or developed, it could be within the next year two years um so we'll see what ends up happening i know panini has promised they promised a patch card database and all you know they partnered with kodak on that and i don't think that's really materialized so we'll see what ends up happening but i know for a fact that this vert trade company is very um very excited and very encouraged very motivated is probably the best word. They're motivated to put out a product and release a product because they need to monetize what they've been developing for the last few years. So I know they are very motivated with their partnership with Panini and they're very motivated to put out a product, but it's really on Panini's end how motivated they're able to tie that in and release a product that's compelling to collectors. But I would keep an eye out on that. 
that is about it. I've been buying, uh, like I said, I've been buying Brandon Cooks. I think he could see a pop um, early on in the NFL season, maybe even before it starts, as long as he stays healthy. I bought a Rudy Gobert autograph. I think that he has a potential to pop a little bit um, with just some preseason loves, even early uh, fantasy basketball type love as kind of a sleeper type guy. Um, I saw people once uh, the USA women's soccer team uh, won the World Cup. I saw these people, oh, you know, here's their autographs and stuff. Where were you guys three weeks ago, four weeks ago? It would have been a hell of a lot better to recommend uh, women's soccer four weeks ago. So I would sell anything that I had women's soccer because as we've seen, you know, I mean, even the World 99 World Cup team, I guarantee you can buy their memorabilia cheaper, even after inflation and all this stuff. I guarantee you get a Mia Ham autograph for a little bit more affordably than you would have in 1999. Moving on. What else do I have here? Ah, I don't have anything else written down. So um, thank you all. I'm not going to end the show quite yet, but I want to thank all of you. Oh, I have your attention here. I wouldn't have made it seven years without listeners contacting me, meeting them in person, all that. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I certainly will continue this. I don't have any uh, reason to not continue this podcast. Um, I think other podcasts have come and gone because they wanted to make money on it or they needed sponsors to support them and those have come and gone or um, whatnot. But I don't need all that. I don't need sponsor money. I, I decline it actually on a regular basis mainly because I've uh, been intelligent and have been uh, – Fortunate, I think it's probably a better word, with uh, my investments and the kind of projects that I've gotten involved in over the last several years. And I will say when people ask me, hey, what do you do? Well, you know, you, often when you get married, when I was getting married and meeting people and whatnot from the other side of the family, they're like, hey, what do you do? And even my parents, you know, people ask them, hey, what, do you, what are your sons doing these days? They don't even, they can barely understand what I do. And that's, that's by design. That's because there are probably a half dozen to a dozen ways that income comes in to my bank account. And there's a reason for that. When things got tough at my card store, I realized it was a bad idea to rely on one store in one location to support me. Because if that location or that business model went down, I would go down with it. And so um, basically over the last, really the last seven years why I've been doing this podcast is the whole goal and, and continuing going forward. I've always wanted to keep moving forward and develop new ways to make money. And that's why I really don't work on sportscardradio.com anymore because I have a half dozen to a dozen other websites that are far more lucrative, have a far bigger opportunity and have a far, um, you know, much bigger reach than just trading cards, um, for example. So, and sometimes not the case. Sometimes I, I set up websites that are in smaller and lesser known niche niches than uh, sports cards, but 
oftentimes I think uh, if you're if you're in this business, I would recommend going into the content kind of website, maybe even a software piece of software type uh, business model because um, and if I recommend you to going into that, I would recommend you going where nobody else is. If you set up websites about insurance, you're never going unless you work. Unless you employ a staff of 50 and work 24 hours a day, Geico and Allstate and Farmers Insurance and all these other companies already spend millions of dollars every year on advertising and SEO and search engine marketing. You're never going to get to the top unless you have millions and millions of dollars. So if you're a one-man band or kind of a two-man band, you need to go where uh, where there's really not a whole lot of people developing websites and so sometimes those are really really small small micro kind of niches you know barbecue not barbecue supplies is kind of a medium-sized niche but you can probably niche it down to there barbecue tongs or barbecue uh temperature gauges or or you know really expensive barbecues might be a really good I don't say this from any kind of experience or any kind of research, but I think really expensive barbecues or elaborate uh, barbecue setups or homemade barbecues or wood-burning barbecues or something like that, I would really kind of niche it down. So same thing. You can do the same thing out there. You can. Um, the reason why I, li- I kind of like the website model is because content is relatively free. You can write it yourself, which is the most effective way to do it, or you can often find somebody that will write it for a very small amount of money considering what you can earn on it. So that's one strategy. That's one strategy that I've been doing. And the second one is once you make some money on something like that, you don't need to reinvest a lot into websites. I see people in the sports card world really make the big it's really a big mistake in the sports card world but it's also a big mistake in other websites is they reinvest a lot of money in them they buy at big advertisements or they you know they expand to all these different areas that are websites or they hire a bunch of writers and stuff like that and that's not really that great of an idea honestly it's great to have a really successful website. It's great to get some traffic and make some money. But I would encourage you to withdraw that money, figure out how to run that website as cheaply as possible, and then divert that money into far more profit, other profitable ventures, whether it's more websites or preferably more websites and something else, you know, investments in stocks or other kind of brick and maybe even a brick and mortar type business or an e-commerce business, you can do a lot of different things. But I encourage you to, I think the key takeaway, again, we're in the off season of cards. There's no football cards. There's no basketball cards. I mean, I know they're coming out with sets and stuff like that. And I know there's been some early season football sets, but they're nothing really super exciting now with any kind of regularity that it's like during the season. So it's a the sports cards are inherently a seasonal business. And if you open up a store, if you have an e-commerce store, if you're a group breaker, typically you're going to probably specialize in something. You're going to special, you know, you're going to draw a customer crowd that really likes football. You're going to draw a crowd that really likes basketball. You're going to draw a crowd that really likes uh, football or baseball or soccer, whatever it might be. And those are seasonal sports, especially football. Football has 
I believe, the longest gap between the end of the regular season to when the next season starts again. It's a very long gap. In fact, it's over, you know, most teams, if your team doesn't make the playoff, they're out in December. And we don't start football team football season until September. So that's nine months where you have to figure out a way to make money. I know there's products coming out, but, um, you know, you're not necessarily really in the heart of the season, in the excitement of the season. So I think the the key takeaway for many of you, I know most most uh, eBay, most listeners to this podcast, you know, you're either you're you're likely a collector, but you're probably in the business of, of buying and selling cards as well. Um, at least to supplement, you know, your collection and stuff. Um, these are the kind of things you need to think about. And I would always encourage you to keep looking for your next opportunity. The people in this business that think, oh, I've got it. I've got a successful group break operation. I've got a successful website. I've got a successful, you know, following or whatever it might be. That's when it's going to get disrupted. And that's when you're going to find out you don't have a, uh, a very good following. You don't have a very good business model. So always keep moving on. Um, keep m- looking for your next thing. Always look to diversify your income streams. I think that will definitely um, be a good advice for all of most of you, almost all of you out there. Always look for your next opportunity. Even if you're diverting attention from an opportunity that's already working and already doing well. Oftentimes I'll work on websites that have no traffic, have no, make no money. But if I see the potential there, if I see the, the growth opportunity, if I see the opportunity there, then I'm willing to invest the time and maybe a little bit of money um, behind that. And I would encourage you all to do that, especially and it's great when you have something successful, when you have something already successful, bringing in a little bit of money. Uh, what I would do is is work on if you have a group break or if you have a store or if you have an e-commerce thing or you're selling on check out my cards, you're selling on eBay. I would look to see how you can run it more efficiently. How can I spend less time doing it but continue my current level of income? Look for ways you can cut your time down selling. Maybe outsource portions of it. Maybe have less listings. Maybe look and see what sells. Maybe you list a thousand things, but the same 200 type items are selling. I would just focus on the two, maybe even two items or 200 items. Or if you're a group breaker, just focus on the stuff that sells. You don't have to sell every product and have every next product. If it's not making any money, if it's just taking time away, uh, it's low margin. Just focus on the stuff that really makes money and divert your attention to something else that might generate a little bit more income might be a little more exciting might um i think the the best thing is diversify your income stream because like i said to start this seven years ago i was making money twisting a key in a door and opening a store and having to be there from eight to no i mean my hours like 11 to six so wasn't that bad but, and I was splitting time. My brother would come in half the day. I would come in half the day. So it wasn't that, you know, rarely I'd have to work a whole day. So it wasn't that bad. But it was the only way I was making money. I mean, I was selling stuff on eBay, but that's that whole thing collapsed too. Once the, the market kind of dried up and uh, everybody 
you know, didn't have million dollar homes, everybody stopped buying stuff unless it was gas and water and food. So you want to keep that in mind and you always want to um, continue to, to move on and continue to look for ways to make money in good times and bad. And some of you might say, hey, when the stock market goes bad, you're going to lose a bunch of money. Well, that could be true. I probably will lose a little bit of money. But I know now and I've been in the stock market long enough to know when it goes down, you can make a lot of money. When oil went down earlier this year, I was making money. And then when I saw that it likely had bottomed out, I went long again and I made money on the way up. There's lots of ways you can do that. You can make at you, really in the stock market. I'm a, I can't wait till it goes down again. I can't wait till the market crashes. I wish it would crash 50% in a day or over a course of 2 or 3 months. I'd make a lot of money. Not only during that time period, but also after when everybody realizes the oh the world's not ending. Oh, people are still alive and spending money and making money. So I hope that some of that advice kind of resonates. So I'm excited. I got a website that's really seasonal. That's actually kind of during the football season. And so I'm really excited about football season and kind of getting going on that again. Um, I think those a website like that. I like website. One last final word on websites. You know, the website that you got to update every single day that you got to write and write and write and write and write and churn out new content. That's a job. That's not a website. That's a job. And I'd be very careful about developing that kind of website, like a news website or even sports card radio for a while. I remember having a discussion with my brother at one point. I was like, man, we got to stop. We got to stop posting checklists. We got to stop putting information on this website because it's not at some point. It's not going to the ROI is just not going to be there. And we're going to be spending all this time in front of our computer putting up this information that, yeah, people are going to look at and people are going to appreciate and use. But, hey, I value my time very well. And I I appreciate people come to my website and use it and, and stuff. But, hey. I got to feed my family. I got to, you know, I got to make money at some point. Can't sit around and just donate my time to the sports card community for nothing or pennies on the dollar. So I'd be careful about a website that you've got to update and update and put out new current information. If you do do that kind of website, I would make it seasonal. Do a Christmas website, do a Thanksgiving website, do a basketball website, or do a college baseball website if you're into sports. If you're into other niches, make it seasonal. Maybe an election website. Only cover the election the year it's about to happen. But don't think you're going to cover politics 24 hours a day. Let CNN and let these other big networks do that. Same with like a sports website. Don't think you're going to post 24-7 news on the Green Bay Packers or whatever. You know what I mean? Just make it seasonal so you ha- you can have time to really develop, really deliver a very good product. But then you can take a break and you don't have to pump out information when nobody cares. So that would be my advice. Or the other type of website is put up a website where you just have to work on it. You just have to do research. 
Do research for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Even I've worked on websites for – I'm working on a web. I just launched it. I think I registered the domain in February. So now we're in the seventh month. I worked on it for five months before I put it up. But once I put it up, I don't really have to work on it again. So now I'm making – it's not making a whole lot of money. I'm making about $4 a day, $5 a day. might not sound like a lot. I mean $100 making about $100 to $150 a month on it. But I don't have to work on it anymore. And it's somewhat evergreen. It's kind of a term they use uh, that I will likely make between $100 and $150 for the foreseeable future. I would guess for the next 12 to 24 months without any more work. So I'm going to make – you know, two to three thousand dollars. I'm guessing two to three thousand dollars over the next um, two years, off six months. So you know, I mean, I wasn't grinding every single day. I wasn't uh, working on it eight hours a day for the last six months. Um, so you know, it's here and there. And I, you know, I probably put, I would guess, twenty hours in it, twenty five hours over the last six months. So you know, that two or three thousand dollar. Return on 20 hours is not a bad rate of return. So that's kind of how I look at it. And the deeper, you know, you don't know if you're just starting out in websites or you only have a website, you only have one website that makes, you know, $30 a month or something like that. You don't necessarily have to look into that that deeply. But I mean, I go to affiliate conferences and I'm really into websites. And so I look at my rate of return. I say, I like to make kind of like $100 an hour on my time. And so if I put 20 hours into a website, I need to project that I'm going to make $2,000 on it. I think, you know, if you're just starting out, you can go way under that. You can say, hey, if I'm going to put 20 hours on a website, I want to make $20 or $200, probably a little bit more reasonable. Because there's a learning curve. There's strategies and techniques that you need to learn over time. Um, so I, I, the, the, it's same with like group breaking. If I wanted to be, Hey, I want to be a group breaker and I want to make $20 an hour group breaking. I don't know what the hourly rate, uh, these guys make, but I would expect that the more experienced and more seasoned guy, the guy that's been around for a while is probably making a little bit more per hour than the guy that just starts out. So adjust your just your level based on where you're at. If you're just starting selling cards, if you're just starting out group breaking, if you're just starting out with a card store, if you're just starting out designing websites, you know, you don't have to expect very much. But as you're, as time goes on, again, my point was earlier, look how to make those things more efficient. Learn how to set up websites faster. Learn how to develop them and launch them faster. Learn how to group break better. Learn what products move. If you're an eBay seller, study what is going to make you the best margin and the best return. And I think that will be very effective for you. Well, now that we've gone on for 20 minutes about nothing, almost nothing to do with sports cards, I think I've probably lost most of you. But like I said, we're in the off season, so we're kind of off topic today. So we'll come back um, probably in a little while. Pro- you know, I'm probably once a month the last uh, two or three months on these podcasts just because there hasn't been a lot going on. But we got football season coming up in about two months. Super excited. You know, really two months away, we're going to be – 
we're going to be regular season football, college football. It's going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, at that point, we'll be on the doorsteps of the NBA season, too, about a month away from the NBA season. So we'll have a lot of exciting things to talk about. I think the NBA season this year, I think there's a lot of momentum. The Summer League was, like, selling out. My brother actually went to the Summer League, and it was like, I mean, he was sitting in the front row, I think, or almost, like, he was the row behind courtside. So, uh, obviously, you could get tickets, but... uh, Man, I think there's a lot of excitement about the NBA. I think a lot has to do with a team like the Warriors winning. Um, you know, everybody says, hey, maybe my team's only three or four years away from having an MVP and winning. I think there's a lot of momentum. It looked like the the Timberwolves fans are really excited about their team. So I think that's cool. And I think there's a lot, you know, there was a lot of free agency. I think the one, last closing thought on the NBA, I just want everybody out there that's already crowning the San Antonio Spurs as the NBA champion. I want everybody to remember, number one, number one, they lost in the first round last year. The Spurs lost in the first round of the playoffs. They're returning an identical, nearly identical team with adding one great player. Trust me, LaMarcus Aldridge was the reason why I won fantasy basketball last year. He got hurt, and and it looked like he was going to be out for basically the rest of the year. Tore like a ligament in his hand. Looked like he was going to be out for the rest of the year. The guy manned up. Delayed surgery, I believe, or it healed naturally. I have no idea, but he played great. So I really respect the guy because he played through an injury and he helped me. He was like the the only guy I drafted uh, that was left on my team. Everybody else got hurt. Kobe, Brandon Jennings. uh, God, I, I can't even remember all the players on my team that got hurt. Kemba Walker. But the Spurs are returning an old team a team that just lost in the first round of the playoffs, and they've added LaMarcus Aldridge. So I am not that – if I could sell that idea short, I would right now. I don't think the Spurs have what it takes to win an NBA Finals anymore because really towards the end of the year, I guarantee you it's going to be tired legs on everybody except for Aldridge. And they're going to lose in the first round. or the I mean, if they're lucky to get out of the first round, they'll lose in the second round. They're not as good as the Clippers, obviously. They're not as good as the Warriors, clearly. They might not even be as good as Phoenix anymore. They're not as good as Memphis. Memphis will destroy the Spurs next year if they play in the NBA playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but... Um, I'm not super high on the the Spurs, but I think there's a lot of teams out there that have a chance. I think in the West, I think in the East, it's going to be the Cavs again. They have a heck of a team, and if I mean they were hurt all last year, but uh, you know, I think they'll be back because they have LeBron. As long as LeBron's healthy, they'll be fine. But in the West, any number, I mean, New, uh, Oklahoma City could come back healthy. If Durant's healthy and Westbrook's healthy all year and they reassign Cantor and they have a, some other players on the team, that's a good team. They could beat the Spurs easily. So we'll see what happens. I think everybody's really – I'm really excited about the NBA season. I think a lot of casual fans are getting a little bit more serious because they realize, hey, maybe my team has a chance. I think that's a change over the way the NBA has been basically over the last – you know, almost since I've been alive, it's been the Lakers bulls, uh, with brief stints by the Celtics have won a title. Uh, the Rockets have won a title. The Pistons have won titles. Um, 
and Miami has won titles. But other than those teams, and that's about five teams right there, not a lot of teams have won an NBA Finals over the last almost 30 years. So I think a lot of NBA fans are really excited because it seems like the league is is definitely um, – you know, parody or that, I think that's an overused term, but uh, there's, you know, a lot, a lot of good teams in the NBA now. A lot of good players, a lot of good teams. And I think that will continue as the trend goes towards great athletes not playing football. And I've gone over that on this show. You can, if you've long time listened to the show, I was talking about concussions and guys getting injured in the NFL long before it became a topic in the mainstream media. I said that was going to hurt the game. Literally and figuratively, because what's going to happen is these great athletes, if their mom or dad give any crap about them, they're going to say, son, play foot, don't play football, play basketball or baseball. You can get a guaranteed contract and you're not, you're not, you're, you're threat of, of a, you know, devastating life threatening injury is less. And that's going to continue as we move forward as football doesn't address its problem. And we've seen the kind of people that are in football. They're punching their wives. They're, even the coaches are punching little kids. They're all on steroids and they're all on HGH. They're, they're dumb enough to hold a firework in their goddamn hand and blow it off. That's how stupid the players are in the NFL. So I think people are really excited about Basketball, and that's really exciting. Obviously, the NFL will be fun to watch, but I think the quality and the intelligence of a lot of the athletes are just going to get less and less and less because anybody that cares about their kid is not going to let them play football anymore, period. Period. Even if you grow up in the hood, your mom or dad will probably be like, dude, you're athletic enough to play basketball. You could play baseball. You could play soccer. I think we'll see that trend continue. And what will continue on is this podcast. We're in our seventh year, but we're going to keep on rolling. I think we're probably, I probably hold the record for longest continuing podcasts in this industry. There's been lots of podcasts that have come and gone. Some very quickly, some come and go and come back and go again. But one thing's for sure, I will be here discussing it all for you and with you. So I appreciate, again... Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for your support over the years, whether you've tuned in recently or for virtually every show. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys are all doing well out there. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back soon. But for now, we are out of here.